Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Tuesday, August 8th. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. Amazon executives are headed to the Federal Trade Commission next week for what is ominously referred to as a last rights meeting. My colleagues report it will be one of the final steps before the FTC files a long-awaited antitrust lawsuit that could break up parts of the company. The case will be a defining moment for Chair Lena Khan, who has had her sights set on Amazon since the start of her legal career. Meanwhile, Zoom had some corners of the internet freaking out on Monday. Its updated terms of service stated the company can use customer data to train its AI algorithms. Zoom later clarified it does not use audio, video, or chat content without customers' consent. But consider this a warning shot of sorts. Companies are vacuuming up user data to develop their AI systems, and U.S. customers really have limited privacy rights due to the lack of federal regulation. Yesterday's show took you inside the embassies of Silicon Valley, and today we're talking to one of the ambassadors— Gerard de Graaf moved to San Francisco nearly a year ago to head a new European Union office. He spent years negotiating new tech regulations for big social media companies and online marketplaces. Now, de Graaf and his staff of four are in the belly of the beast to ensure that companies actually comply. But de Graaf insists his job is not just a cop on the beat. In fact, he said the strong opposition to EU regulations that I hear from lobbyists in D.C. and Brussels is not the message he receives when meeting with CEOs in Silicon Valley. Perhaps it's just wishful thinking, but DeGraff tells me tech companies actually see upsides to having the EU as their de facto global regulator. Thank you so much for uh, joining the Politico Tech podcast. We're excited to have you on as our, our first European guest. I'm honored. I'm really honored. (laughs) I'm going to put this on my bio. Right, exactly. What surprised you most about the place, I wonder? You know, you've been doing tech from Brussels for a long time. You know, how is it different uh, in Silicon Valley? Well, I think what has surprised us most is, is kind of, I mean, look what has happened in the last 12 months. I mean, we arrived in September. I remember the key issue or the topic at the time was metaverse. We were all talking about the metaverse. And here we are, like even less than a year later. I mean, not much talk anymore about the metaverse. It's all about AI. It's about generative AI. I mean, what I think has surprised us, I mean, is that this area moves even faster than we thought. And sometimes even in more unpredictable ways than we thought. I, I think the, the other thing that, I mean, maybe not surprised us, but in, in, in a way I think is notable is a strong interest in what the European Union is doing. And I think that interest has grown. I mean, I remember people saying, well, we are Silicon Valley and you are Silicon Valley of regulation. Uh, I think that has, I mean, uh, has moderated. I think there is a genuine interest in and, and also recognition that, that the EU is also a t- technology powerhouse. I mean, maybe not with the kind of big platforms that you have here in Silicon Valley, but there's a lot of like smaller, medium-sized companies that are very advanced in technology, and that I think is well recognized. But that also that on, say, more on the regulatory issues, 
I mean, the EU, I mean, a lot of what the EU is doing is, is maybe not as stupid as people thought maybe originally, that it was over-regulating, stifling innovation, I mean, uh, and, and, and those kind of things. I think there, there's a, a, a rediscovery maybe or a, a better understanding of like where the, where the European Union is coming from and why it is regulating in the way it is regulating. I was going to ask if if you get a sense that there's just an acceptance that you know, this is going to be the EU role and it's sort of better to to work with than against, or you know what, what's kind of uh, driving that the shift that you you have seen and and how Silicon Valley thinks about the EU. Definitely, I mean, I think that I mean the EU is a very big market. These companies are highly successful in the European market, and of course, want to continue to be successful in the European market. And whenever you work in like in 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 another market, you have to comply with the rules in that market. So there is no choice. These companies recognize that, uh, particularly like after the negotiations have been concluded on the Digital Services Act and the Digital Markets Act, that uh, I mean the, the the name of the game is. Uh, compliance is is implementation, and I think we've seen a genuine commitment to to try to comply. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, it's still I mean a couple of weeks before the Digital Services Act starts to to kick in. Uh, but but I think there is a seriousness about about preparations that that I think is 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 positive. I think there's also a deeper recognition that the days of like exceptionalism that somehow digital is different from other sectors of the economy, which are, I mean, quite heavily regulated, including in this country. I mean, think about banking, think about energy, think about pharma. That those days that, to say, digital somehow was special and, 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 and should not be regulated or should only be lightly regulated, I think there is a recognition that those days are also behind us. And then the question is, well, if there is going to be regulation, what is regulation that makes sense? And I think there is a... I mean, we know the situation in this country uh, is co complicated to, I mean, particularly in Washington, D.C., to get like a, a bipartisan agreement on, 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 on legislative initiatives. Uh, and, and so then I think from the perspective of these companies, if there is like a, a region that is regulating, it's, it's better that that region is the European Union, which is a, a, a region based on a rule of law with a human rights framework than it is done by countries that maybe have different intentions or, or are like autocratic based on autocratic regimes and repressive kind of uh, type of measure. So I would like to think that overall there is a, a recognition that the European rules are, are quite, I think, coherent, proportionate and, and, and hopefully also effective. Uh, and, and so but that, of course, we'll, we'll still need to see uh, in, in the implementation phase. To be honest, it's somewhat surprising to hear that analysis, because from here in Washington, you know, I, I obviously hear a lot about what tech companies are lobbying for. And, you know, one of the things I hear often is they want the Biden administration to push back more on the EU, to push back against the Digital Service Acts, the Digital Market Acts, kind of where the EU is headed on AI. You know, they're trying to apply pressure on, on the Biden White House to do that. How does that sort of reconcile with this idea that they actually think the EU does have sort of a, a light touch or a more sensible approach to regulation? 
We have, of course, been throughout the negotiations in the context of the Trade and the Technology Council in close touch with the U.S. administration in both directions. Also, the U.S. administration keeping us uh, fully informed about their own thinking about the initiatives, also the initiatives that were kind of developed on, on the Hill and where they were going. So we had a, a very constructive discussion with the U.S. administration. And I mean, and I was kind of co-chair of two of the working groups in the, uh, in the Trade and Technology Council, one on platform governance uh, with, with the White House, which was kind of the lead authority on the, on the U.S. side. There's a lot of sympathy in the Biden administration for what the European Union is doing. I mean, again, we know the situation in the U.S. It would not be possible in the U.S. to implement legislation like the Digital Services Act or the Digital Markets Act, but... I think the, 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 I mean, at least the, the feedback we got from the U.S. administration, it was never like aggressive or, or, or strongly negative. I mean, of course, there were issues of concern and, 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 and the U.S. administration has, has kind of carefully communicated these issues of concern, but also recognizing that, of course, we have our own kind of uh, legislative procedures and negotiations and, and we're a sovereign uh, um, a group of nations so we, we can implement the laws that the European Union sees fit to, to implement. So I think at that level the attitude of the, of the Biden administration was constructive. From the industry side I think there's maybe a little bit of a difference between the industry um, uh, representative organizations, I mean, the industry lobbies, if I can kind of use that term, and, and when you talk to the industry here in, in terms of like the, the senior level, the board level, I mean, the lobbies will always lobby, the lawyers will always say there's a problem, it's not going to work, I mean, we can challenge this, we can litigate this, but I think the at the strategic level, these companies recognize that, say, the, the, the winds have changed. I mean, the, the tide has turned. And, and it, I mean, it's, this is no longer 2015. We're not in 2016. We're in 2023 and soon, I mean, in, in 2024. You know, you said you hear kind of a different tone when you meet with leadership there in Silicon Valley. What, what is it like when you go into these meetings? I assume part of your, your job is getting to go to Meadow and talk to Mark Zuckerberg or, or go to Google and talk to Sundar Pichai. I mean, do these companies kind of roll out the red carpet or, or is it a little bit of a, you know, oh God, here comes, here comes the, the policeman or, or the Grim Reaper, uh, you know, let's, let's gird ourselves. I mean, the, the discussions at the political level are done by the political leaders in the European Union. We had Commissioner Breton, who is like the, the, one of the, the, the lead authors of the Digital Services Act, if not the lead author and the Digital Markets Act. And he was in San Francisco about a month ago. And indeed, we did have meetings with like Mark Zuckerberg and also with uh, Elon Musk and, and, and others. And of course, he also meets them regularly when they visit him in Brussels. Sundar Pichai was in Brussels uh, not, not long ago. I think there is a respect. I mean, red carpet or not, I mean, I mean, they they know that it's important to have constructive relationship with the regulator. I mean, effectively, the European Commission is going to be the regulator for these very large online platforms, and it's in the interest of both sides that there is a respectful relationship between, say, the regulator and the regulated. And so, yes, the I mean, what what I think is is interesting is that uh, when you talk, I mean, when there's these discussions with the, at the CEO level, they know extremely well what the Digital Services Act is about. Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, he, he knows articles of the, I mean, he can quote articles <laughs> to the commissioner and, and, and back, like, well, let's have a word about Article 32 and this and that and the other. 
So th this is not abstract like 30,000 feet. I mean, this is part of the framework conditions within which these companies will need to operate. So I think what, what needs to be recognized is that this is something that plays in the boardroom. This is something that the CEOs know about. And they steer the ship. The ship is steered from from the kind of well from from, from the, the by the captain. The ship is not steered from the machine room. And I think that's maybe a little bit the difference when you talk to people who are in the machine room. They would say, "Oh, this is bad. That's bad." Or we can challenge this or push back on that. I think when you talk to people like who are actually steering the ship. They say, okay, well, maybe we don't like everything that's kind of uh, we, we, we will be required to do, but, but we, we are kind of a legitimate business. We are going to play by the rules. Could the captains of the ship, you know, there in Silicon Valley do a better job of, you know, messaging to the workrooms in Washington and in Brussels to resist kind of regulation and change less and, and sort of work more collaboratively with regulators? It seems like sometimes... Folks in Washington and Brussels play bad cops so that the executives can be good cop, if you will. I, I realize I mixed <laughs> mixed my metaphors there, but I think you get the idea. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, that's choices that companies have to make themselves, how they kind of want to project their, their, their own images and, and their own uh, initiatives and, and investments that they make in, 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 into compliance. I mean, lobbyists are paid to lobby. Lawyers are paid to litigate. That is their business models. Even if we would have like the most favorable legislation for platforms ever, ever conceived. I mean, the lobbyists would find fault with it and say, oh, this is not good. That's not good. I mean, that it's like water off a duck's back. This is what it's the name of the game. I mean, I'm not surprised after so many years being part of like negotiations in Brussels that kind of lobbies will, I mean, they will never like what they see. They will always argue that this is not good enough or, or it will wreck the business. I mean, how the CEOs profile themselves, I mean, that's, that's up to the, the CEOs. I mean, what, what for us is important at the end of the day is that there is compliance, that the, the European rules are, are implemented as they, they are, are intended. Well, that's now, that's the next phase. You will know we've had some like so-called stress tests with 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 companies, uh, so we 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 are quite aware of like uh, how they are uh, positioned at this stage. I think we've identified both strengths and weaknesses. The companies are aware of what they still need to do. There is not much time, as we know, within a month, like uh, the end of August, the Digital Services Act will will kick in and, and then we will see if they are if they're ready. Um, and, and if they're not sufficiently ready, then obviously action will follow. Having you now on the ground in San Francisco, having your team out there, how do you expect that will influence or change the way the EU pursues future tech regulations? Things like, you know, AI that obviously are in the works now, but even down the road, you know, uh, having you kind of right at the pulse of American you know, the American tech industry, how does that change things? Well, I mean, it should change things for the better. I mean, we, we have, I mean, we're now close to like where, where a lot of the action still is. This, this remains, I mean, a very vibrant source of new technology development. Just look at AI. So the, the, I think the, the rulemaking, and we are now in the final stages of the, of the, of the negotiations on the EU AI Act. I mean, we are constantly 
informing the negotiators in Brussels, like what's going on, particularly around generative AI, so that the negotiations, the discussions, ultimately the regulation is going to be more informed. We are bringing negotiators. I mean, we had the European negotiating team from the European Commission over to Silicon Valley, meeting with like uh, OpenAI and Google and Meta and other companies to learn what's going on, where is this going, but also, of course, for these companies to understand better where we are coming from and what the concerns are for the policymakers. So if you have better communication, better like exchange of information in both directions, you avoid, and I think that's maybe, I mean, the caricatures, like the European Union, ah, they see something that moves, ah, they regulate it, and of course they over-regulate it and, and, and they kill and stifle innovation. I mean, trade friction often comes from miscommunication or lack of communication. So I think one of the things I pride myself on, and I'm not saying that this is entirely like our, our, our achievement, and you mentioned it a little bit, is that the pushback or the kind of Europe is like uh, thwarting the American success and kind of uh, imposing its disproportionate rules on, 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 on US companies. I think you hear very little of that. I think when, when you have this type of communication, I think people understand better where we're coming from. We might not always agree. We have different legal traditions, political traditions, etc. But a good channel of communication and not just with big tech companies. We communicate intensively with Stanford, with Berkeley, with other academic institutions, there is a wealth of expertise here in Silicon Valley and in the US about, say, digital markets, about like um, how the internet uh, works and, and, and how to make the internet safer. And of course, also with the California legislature. Uh, the California legislature being a little bit like, as I said before, like the us. Uh, if the EU is, is leading globally, the California is leading within the US. So if two, call it trailblazers, are, are, are comparing notes and, and trying to kind of align the, the policies. That is a good thing. Excellent. Well, Harard, I appreciate you joining us on the Politico Tech podcast. I'm sure we'll have, have many opportunities to talk. You're stationed there for at least another three years, right? Is the, yeah, the plan? that's correct. Unless I screw up completely, then I might be called back a little earlier to Brussels. But that's not what I'm, I'm intending to do. Or the folks in Silicon Valley just get to be too much to bear and you have to, uh, to flee back to Brussels. <laughs> that's all for today's Politico Tech. How is your company bracing for new EU regulations? We want to hear about it at techpodcast at politico.com. And for more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly, and I'll meet you back here tomorrow.